A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, 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 welcome back to Early Work. This is the second episode in the series of Lost Episodes, another one recorded in, I believe, March 2021. Such a long time, almost two years to wait before it came out. But, you know, you've got to let these things percolate and um, marinate. Percolate's the wrong word, isn't it? Bad podcast to get wrong words like that. Is percolate even a word? I think I learned that from the OC. The point is... This is a great episode. It's with Lucy Beaumont. Before we get into that, though, I do have a couple of plugs to get through. I'm currently on tour, if you're interested. It's mostly sold out, but there's a few dates available, particularly in the north of England. North Allerton, Hexham, Barnard Castle, the classics. There's some tickets left there. It's not a humiliating amount sold, so it will still be a fun gig, even if only you bought a ticket listening now. Look, I've chosen the Lucy Bowman episode to plug the Northern dates on purpose, all right? I'm assuming there's going to be a bit of a Northern uplift with this one. Come along to those shows. Hull is sold out, actually. Just on the subject of Lucy Bowman, Hull is sold out. So not doing too badly in the North. Second plug is I have a new podcast called Fit and Proper with comedian Lloyd Griffith. Um, he was meant to do this podcast, and then all of his early work was lost in a flood, genuinely. His attic flooded. How does an attic flood? How does an attic flood? up high. Anyway, that's the point of a lighthouse. Well, actually, it isn't the point of a lighthouse, Reese. Christ. Anyway, uh, Fit and Proper is a podcast where comedians come on and take over a football club of their choice and then redesign it in their image and do whatever they like. You don't have to like football to like it. It's very silly. For example, Sarah Keyworth, she put a big go ape above the stadium for all the fans who got bored watching the match. They could go do a big go ape with a lovely bird's eye view. Nathan Caton put a big bee's nest uh, above the away fans to be vaguely threatening. Been loads of good guests. Loads of good guests coming up. So check it out. Go check out that podcast uh, if you like. Now, in the meantime, Lucy Beaumont is here on early work from her rough hull school where you've got to be tough. But she somehow managed to make it as a little crow's mate, an agony aunt. Um, She has one of the most ridiculous, would I lie to you, level anecdotes of all time in this about a taxi driver that I'm sure you'll enjoy very much. And then a lot of actual work all to do with her mate Claire her collaborator. They work together on poetry. She wrote a touching poem for her when she was heartbroken. She threw her a secret house party. And then, genuinely, Lucy's closing poem on this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. But the build-up to all of it, i.e. the rest of the episode, is absolutely batshit. Enjoy! Joining me this week on another episode of Early Work is the incredible Lucy Beaumont. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Are you excited? Nervous? Um, indifferent, really. Yeah, fair enough. Do you know <laughs> what helps enough. is because I, I can see you. <laughs> that helps the indifference, does it? Well, uh, well, it helps me feel more relaxed. 
I, Does I, it? Okay. That we, I could actually see you, yeah. For those of you who don't know, by the way, any listeners, um, Lucy Beaumont is probably best known for when we recorded an episode of Pointless Celebrities together. But how did you feel about it at the time? Do you know, well... I, I I do have anxiety, um, but I've, I've got nice anxiety where I don't want to get rid of it. I like it, do you know, mm. I'm comfortable with it. It's part of who I am. But I, I didn't say hello to you when we was walking down the stairs. And um, Cindy <laughs> talking to me and I knew, I, I clocked you and I thought I must say hello to him. Um, and then I forgot and then it really bothered me. And I, I, to be honest, I think that's what put me off my game. Um, and right. I, I, didn't, I didn't do very well. I thought you were trying to psych me out when you didn't say hello, did, when you blanked you not... me. I thought you were trying to get in my head, but actually it messed your game up. Yeah, oh, well, I, I was thinking, maybe you didn't notice. Some people I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't notice. But um, I, very, I find it very sweet that you worried about that afterwards. About <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, crucially, I mean, we should, something to address here. I was wearing a tuxedo at the time. Oh, maybe it was that. Maybe I just thought, oh, God, he looks so Can't flat. say hello to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to look at him. He's a mess. We, I wore a tuxedo. Me and Lloyd Griffith, who was my team member, wore tuxedos on that show. Um, and we had it almost. We wore tuxedos kind of as a prank that got out of hand. I was trying to prank Lloyd by saying, let's wear tuxedos yeah. on Pointless. And then I was going to turn up not wearing a tuxedo. And Lloyd would look like an idiot. But then the day before the record, Lloyd sent me a picture of him wearing the tuxedo. And I thought, God, he looks fantastic. I want to wear a tuxedo. <laughs> so I got one as well. And then we developed like a little skit we could do when Alexander Armstrong goes, oh, what, you're, you're very smart. And then we thought, oh, we could do a bit of back and forth. And we'll like almost script a little bit of banter we can do. Didn't come up. No one mentioned it. <laughs> didn't ask <laughs> did, did, did you even mention did you mention tuxedos I think I brought it up eventually we didn't do the little skit but it was like I think there was one point where I said sorry Alexander I am wearing a tuxedo or something like that but um god did you find it weird on that pointless how um when you when we got knocked out you actually just get you go home like I was like this is a celebrity version I'm with with a bunch of comics we're all friends I thought we'd at least be able to sit over there and watch the rest of the show I know they just went get out and the car was waiting my car was waiting for me yeah I they were just think... like you actually get ushered out of the studio I know I think I was in that because I can I think we can say can't we I got knocked out after the first question I think yeah. in total <laughs> I was there from start to finish about 25 minutes yeah. And the thing is, it took me three and a half hours to get there. <laughs> Come from the Halifax. Oh, God, that is so brutal. Now, Lucy, if I had to guess what you were like at school, and I do because it's the first format point of the show, um, I found this very difficult. So I always write this in advance uh, and I've got a good track record of getting this pretty creepily accurate. Right. I found this difficult because, and I don't know if you've been told this before, but you are quite enigmatic. Am um, I? Well, a good example is you refuse to say hello to people that you've known for years <laughs> and worked with many times. Um, um, I want to say that you wandered around school in a sort of world of your own, unfazed by all the chaos of the playground. But I am aware that your onstage persona is just that, is a persona, which makes me think, knowing that you, you like you, you have a character, that you you sort of act, actually speak like this, like you're one of those actors who we're, we won't, you'll just do this character for ages and then like in 30 years on This Is Your Life reboot, we'll find out, well, all along I was just playing this role or something like that. But in general at school, I think you were probably, um, I've gone with medium popular. Um, I reckon you weren't putting yourself out there that much. Um, so like you couldn't really be disliked because you weren't doing anything. It's like, not that you weren't doing it though, just me, I think you weren't like, school's all about opinions and like towing the line isn't it of like we all like the same thing and if you think this is cool or this is lame then you're a loser or you're also cool but I just reckon you were so solo in your like that and you weren't saying any of them that you were fine except with acting where I reckon you put yourself out there and I think you probably thrived in school plays and extracurricular drama and you were always main parts and just a billion times better than anyone else doing stuff um you sort of strike me as the sort of person who might have developed or at least used a secret language um to not be detected by teachers when you were having conversations uh, I can imagine you writing the names of people you fancied on your exercise book or pencil case but not their real name a sort of pseudonym or nickname that you would have made up 
up that only you knew. Um, I reckon you got into trouble for stuff you didn't realize you were doing, like back chat where you would ask something you were genuinely curious about, but you'd accidentally poke such a hole in a teacher's logic that they would get angry. Um, I also, and I hope this isn't an insane thing to say, can picture you holding a Bacardi Breezer at a party um, and reckon you got, uh, you had a few never drink again, sleeping on the bathroom floor type evenings before other people did. Is any of this correct? Judging by your face, I'm guessing no. No, this is totally fucked up. Like, you <laughs> you have just absolutely, like, you've just nailed, like, freakishly, like, to the to the dot, named... That's exactly what... How are you... Oh, I, is it? Oh, right. I thought you were oh looking at me God, like, I'm, who I'm, the hell do you think I am? I, 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 don't, I don't mean this. I am genuinely gobsmacked. Because good. That is because so some people accurate. come on it and I get it bang on and they don't even care. But it's good. I'm so glad. No, that this you, has got. Um, no, I mean this. You are in the wrong job. <laughs> you no. are, it's not the first time someone's told me that. No, you. You could be the next Derek Akara. <laughs> Why you're not are you dead. Doing? He what? doesn't. He contact the dead. You're. Why? You're alive and well. I'm just having a conversation with you. Why are you? Because you, if you can do that, because that's what it is. Talk us through it. So in what way, what bits were bang on and, and how accurate were they really? So to Every start off... Because I'll have friends, I've got friends from school who are going to listen to this because they know it's about, you know, and they're yeah. going to be blown away because like they, <laughs> they were there. And, they, and it, every, every, everything you said, every, I, I was, I was, yeah, I was definitely, I was, I, I was medium popular, but I was liked by everybody. Mm. I never got. Um, I mean, I, 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 my school was very average. Well, average school for Hull, which I, <laughs> which I now know isn't average for nationally. So actually, for most people, my school would have been seen as like really, really rough. <laughs> Whereas actually, in Hull, it was it was quite nice because it was just a bit outside of, of Hull. It was like in a place called Hesel, um, but it was like it was quite like you would get beaten up. Like there right. was a lot of school fights, and you to be in the popular group, you had to be hard. You know, it was all about who's the cock of the school, oh, okay, rather right. than like who's got a swimming pool or you know. Um, yeah. And what happened? Because I'm I'm five foot one now, but I was tiny. I was so tiny when I started secondary school. And what happened on one of the first weeks of school was one of the older girls from like year eleven who was like broody because she was about to be pregnant you know she was going to get pregnant at 15 it was a group of girls that that's what they were going to do the new they right. were going to get pregnant and they were going to get a council house and be perfectly happy and yeah know. one of them i remember walking to school and it was like you know like um a crow snatches summer or a seagull she sort of yeah. snatched me because i was like three foot or something she like snatched me and was like you're gonna be man now, and she put me on her hip and she tripped me like her baby. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so, you're, so if if you're saying she's like a seagull in this, you are a chip. Is that what you're saying? Oh, totally. And and then um, and then like, cause she was like real. She was like in her year, the hardest girl in her year. You know, like who nobody mess with. And like I was like her. Oh, what do you call? I mean. It, it, I was like a, I was a soft toy basically, like, and so she, she, I was her baby, and so what she used to do is put me on her lap, you know, when she talked to all her mates and they'd all like smoke and stuff, like at the back mm. of school, and I'd just be sat there on her knee. <laughs> <laughs> but it also like it sent signals to the rest of them that like. You know, I Don't was a bit untouchable. I was a little bit untouchable. Yeah. And like now I know like I know it sounds like but I've watched like gangster films and like a similar mm. thing happens, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, have you seen Tom and Jerry? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a big bulldog in Tom and Jerry that protects Jerry. <laughs> because Jerry's a little little mouse. And obviously Tom is the cat who's trying to kill Jerry. And then there's Big Bulldog who every now and then protects Jerry. It's a good reference, isn't it? That you go, yeah, it's like in gangster films. And I'm like, yeah, have you seen any cartoons? Because I don't understand what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, it is. And it's something that's referenced. I always picture Richard Hammond when I think of that little bully's mate. You know what I mean? It's that's, always like, I think... you all over, it? I don't even I think know it might that be, well um, and... 
<laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you picture Richard Hammond. Do you picture uh, Richard Hammond in a lot of situations? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, whenever I'm trying to picture anything, whenever I'm trying to imagine context for anything, I think, well, can I imagine Richard Hammond? <laughs> like, if I'm looking at a house, I imagine what Richard Hammond would do to the house. And then I go, yeah, that is a good house, actually. I'll buy that. Um, but uh, no, I just think, um, I mean, I had a similar vibe, actually. It, I wasn't dissimilar. I kind of, I didn't get picked up and just swept up by it. I think it, as a survival instinct, I definitely took a, um, oh, these are the hardest boys in school. I'm going to be their little sidekick. Whereas yours was by accident. You just got swept up by a swooping crow. I got swept up and then that only lasted because then they left because she was in, yeah, year, of course. in the year 11. And then I was, I mean, I was in the top sets, you know, so in, in, in my, well, top sets for English, everything else was, not I want that great but um in in our school if if you were seen to be bright you were instantly a, a target you it, it was really looked down on and it, it it makes me sad now looking back that it, it was so cool not to learn you know and there would be lessons yeah. I, I would have to there'd be lessons I'd want to engage with but I didn't want to get picked on so I, I had to but also I, I used to find it hard not to stop talking so I also used to get told off but I definitely think I, I felt like I was more of a geeky you know but what, what I, I, the group I had of friends were it was so lovely you know they were such a lovely they were sort of like and it sounds awful because you think what if they're listening there was a proper a, 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 you know a nerdy group that actually mm. even I, I couldn't identify with them because right. I, did, I didn't I couldn't I didn't I tried to make conversation with them and I, could, I couldn't why because they were talking about like intellectual stuff or just because different interests it's such a social awkwardness that there was nothing oh really okay there was nothing there (laughs) (laughs) and so i i was like the level up from them and um and so our level we would flip between sometimes hanging around with um with 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 rougher people and then sometimes hanging around with nicer people but I'm, I'm really glad the friendship group I had because they were really such lovely people really good warm-hearted people I think I had so, a, I got I had a good innings at school I think I was lucky and then when when I remember because I was seen as being quite emotionally intelligent and I think a lot of comedians have said this about being at school I was like a listener I used to listen. I was an agony aunt, and I was an agony aunt to like all the real popular kids as well. Mm. They'd come and tell me the problems, and I remember I spent a lot of time um, singing. <laughs> you know, um, Pocahontas that um, come run the hidden pine trees. Spent a lot of time. Now we're getting some references I could understand. <laughs> the Disney version, yes, I do know it. <laughs> spent a lot of that time on the playground singing that into people's ears like they'd come over like you know they'd just been in a school fight and then they'd come over and say can you sing Pocahontas to me <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about I mean how is this possibly how is how did that happen at school this is a school you told me where in order to survive you had to be the hardest person in school that's the way you got any kind of respect at your school was to be tough okay it was nothing about intelligence or anything like that and yet people would come over to you and say soothe me with the sounds of Pocahontas whenever they'd been in a a scrape yeah but you know how people have still got soft you know vulnerable sides So um, when you say you were like an agony aunt, was this just a situation where they would just come and find you in the playground and go, I don't know what to do about this? Or you didn't have like a setup where you'd, it would, would be like Lucy's agony aunt and then it would be like in the library or like it was like, I don't know, just on a certain bench. And just like every day between the hours of 12.30 and 1.30, she's available for your advice, get in the queue. And then if it all goes badly and she can't give you advice, she will sing you a lovely song <laughs> quietly. It was a bit more relaxed, yeah. It was just like I was seen as somebody you could tell your troubles to. Right. <laughs> well, I didn't manage to predict that. But so what we've gone through is the medium popular was correct. And then I sort of said not putting yourself out there that much. But I guess the agony aunt thing, uh, there's an element of that. Um, acting, I went big on the prediction of acting. I said you did school plays, extracurricular drama, and you were main parts. Not is this school correct? plays. Our, our school... Uh, the, the point at which I was at our school 
I now know as an adult it was in a pretty bad way. I don't think a lot of teachers wanted to be there. Um, so there was there was no school plays. There was no drama. Right. This the, I think they've started it now. And when just as we was leaving, they got a drama teacher, which was a shame. But there was no joy or creativity. It was. Have you seen? You know that what that film about? What is it called? Um, you, about he's got a, he's got a bed. He's got a big bed. He's got a film about a, he's got a big bed. A, ki- a kid who's got a big bed. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, 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 not big bed, <laughs> big bed. Oh right, sorry. <laughs> uh, Bird. I don't know. Kestrel for the Nerve was the book. Kez, Kez. Have you seen Kez? Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, sorry, yeah. You know, do, 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 have you seen Kez? <laughs> Film that he's got a big bird. Yeah. Um, again, I thought big bird. Have you seen the PE scene with Kez in Kez? Yes. Well, that that was my school. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Good God. So there was no, jo- you know, there was no expressive arts. But I, what I did, me and my friend, we did drama outside of school. So I did my, I did a GCSE drama. I, I did it outside of school at a theatre company. I started offering GCSE drama, and I used to, I went there from being a kid, and it was a real lifesaver for me. I absolutely loved it, and um, I met so many great people. But, so anyway, it's a bit boring, but answer to your question, yeah, I did. I did drama plays, and was really, you know, um, confident in being in productions. And did you get big, were you getting the big parts? I was getting the big, big roles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's an actor. Yeah, that's that's someone who knows the title of the book of more than they know the title of a film. That's, you know, that's pretty premium stuff. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you're obviously not going to answer this because you have any kind of modesty. But I did say you were a billion times better than anyone else at, at the drama and you would consider that. You don't have to answer, but is yeah, that correct? I was, I was. Yeah, yeah, I okay, was. good. The good. thing, the thing, as a bit, the thing that, I don't know what happened, but at some point, as I got to an adult, I stopped being the best at it. It's like people mm. overtook me. It took me a long time. I went into acting, and it's taken me a long time, a really long time to admit to myself, I'm just not as good as I thought I was. I'm, do you know what it is? I'm not versatile. And I, I, I got right. just before, um, well, whilst I was, uh, you know, doing stand-up, but... It was the last straw, really, where I thought, you've got to stop going to auditions. I went, um, I got a really big audition for a film with Johnny Depp. And um, they, they'd they said, they'd been watch, like, watching my stuff and they knew so much about me and they couldn't find this character. For, I can't remember what film it was. And they they said, can you just do, like, um, just quite an RP, just quite a generic mm. RP voice? And I... I just it was the voice I did was just it, I sounded demented and I knew as I was doing it and so they so said, my guess that your real voice is very posh and this is all fake is not true right or are you that committed are you this committed to your lifelong character that you will <laughs> sabotage an audition for a Johnny Depp film just because you don't want people to find out yet uh, it's um, not, uh, and then how do you feel how would you feel about us about me giving you a sentence to say in your RP accent you're welcome to Okay, could you say, <laughs> in your accent, um, a crow swooped down and then put me on her knee while she smoked. A crow swooped down and put... What did you say? And then put me on her knee while she smoked. And then put me on her knee as she smoked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely it works, but it sounds like... You sound like you're doing tube announcements. You know, I've, I sort of expect you to say the next station is Wilsdon Green in that voice. The next station is Wilsdon Green. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. Well, you can't get in a Johnny Depp film, but you could get a job as the as the tube announcer. There's got to be cash in that. I know. And then I had to. So then they said, well, a northern like, but not like with a dialect, just like a and I couldn't do. And I explained to him I could only do a West Hull accent i can't even do right. an east hull how do they feel about that in hollywood i presume this is a big hollywood film mm. um how would they feel about that being like interpreted globally it and in it by americans yeah so people wouldn't be able to understand you okay so is anything else that i predicted so we um i i, I sort of said 
you developed or used a secret language. What were we thinking there? Like is it, uh, to, to, to avoid detection in conversations with teachers or maybe like wrote people you fancied on an exercise book, but kind of nicknames you'd made up for them that they didn't know about. Yeah, but how have you got to this point? Like how, how are you able to be this? Is that true? Yeah. Everything you've said is 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 freaky. Have you like talked to people? Is that what you? Do? Is that <laughs> no, partly what you I do? genuinely just uh, I just guess. I just I I've you know I've seen a lot of your work. I know you, and I just think about it. it's just honestly. I think anyone could really do this if you actually just think about it. Then you can just probably you can get a pretty accurate guess most times. And I, I mean to be honest, that is very specific, isn't it? But. You just strike me as the sort of person who would want to avoid detection. But why don't you use these skills for the occult? I know, I really should. I really should be doing this. Or just tell... Because people don't really have any self-awareness and know what they're like. I should just do that, shouldn't I? I should just have a job telling people what they're like. And just go... No, in, the reality is, you're this person. And then they can go, oh, thank you. I don't need to find myself. I just need to do early work. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so it's, it's fascinating to me that we got the prediction right. What I'm interested in is that you say that it was a school that was devoid of joy and creativity and encouragement for that sort of thing. Um, so what sort of creative stuff were you writing in your own time? Was there, were you? Just poems, just, um, my, my, Claire, who was my, my best friend, she, she's got a really good voice and, and she got me into, she, what she used to do is like put on, you know, like step, do you remember steps? Yeah. I put on like a steps cassette and and sing to it and that would be like what she'd do you know and so I used to do it with her and we used to like listen to really emotional songs together and talk about like what they reminded us of and we used to like write poems together and we we became inseparable where we were sleeping at each other's houses like nearly every night uh, it was we, we our emotions were quite raw and we the the people we went because I, I I didn't get a boyfriend till later on. That's because I didn't really like blossom, you know. I was still I was seeing him as quite babyish. So my, the first boyfriend I got I got was like you know we'd nearly left almost you know in the last year of school, but the the boyfriends we had we were so passionate about and we had so much so much raw emotion for <laughs> that it was almost like overwhelming. So we had to like sing songs together in harmony about the boys we loved. <laughs> <laughs> we I don't had think... to listen to music that reset you know and, and and write poetry to to really be able to cope with our feelings yeah i don't know if i'd associate steps with that i mean yeah two it, for it's... sorrow it is one because that was a that that what right 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 okay yeah maybe i don't know the back catalogue enough and it was always steps or were there other people shania twin particularly that one um see the pyramids along the nile what you know that one see the pyramids along the night it's actually a really old yeah. song but she yeah, re-released it put fresh put fresh vibes in it you know so you were so shania twain so you were you did you have dances to shania twain songs hmm, don't know we used to just sit, sit on the carpet and listen to it <laughs> yeah what about the other what about the sort of more upbeat shania twain songs that are sort of a bit more girl powery tony braxton was a massive one for me Right, of course. That makes sense now. Do you remember that? Don't leave me in all this pain. Don't leave me out in the rain. <laughs> I come back and bring back my heart. Unbreak my yeah. heart. 
say you love me again yeah of course um for me it was um stop crying your heart out by oasis when i was rejected by a girl in year seven i listened to that on, on a loop and felt extremely sorry for myself um weirdly uh shania twain was a big part of my childhood as well because um my dad was obsessed with her and used to play shania twain a lot on car journeys <laughs> he was always playing she loved shania twain he would always play shania twain really weird so you and my dad you know, probably process your emotions in the same way. He he stays over at his mate's house all the time writing poems as well. He still does. does um, <laughs> no, of course not. Um, <laughs> so you would both write poems. Would the poems be on... Would you like... I'm just trying to imagine it. So you're staying over. You're having a fun time. You're coming up with your little... You're doing your learning your dances. You're singing your songs. Quite quietly, of course, because you don't want your voice to peak. Um, and then you go, oh, I'm going to spend 10 minutes writing this poem. You spend 10 minutes writing a poem and then we'll read them to each other. Or would you kind of write them collaboratively? We just, we, there's just one we wrote collaboratively um, and be, because we we tried to sleep rough on the school roof and um, we got caught. Do, we got... <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of a bombshell. That's a bit of a bombshell, but... Um... Yeah, we, there was a group of us and we all thought it'd be good to sleep on the school roof but her, my friend's mum Claire realised well she we, we'd say we said we were sleeping at each other's houses and then her mum twigged that she wasn't at my house and I wasn't you know at her something mm. and so Claire, they, that's, that's pretty Hollywood stuff that's pretty teen movie she oh yeah and she, she was an amazing woman and um, so my mum didn't drive so she got a taxi driver to, to take around trying to look look for me um, it was a taxi driver she knew who he was about four foot and he had these jam jar glasses and he, he got out with a torch and he fell down a big hole apparently <laughs> right Lucy everything you're saying to me everything you're saying to me I can imagine you holding a card that says would I lie to you on the back of it in front of you when you say it I mean this is absolutely ridiculous every, every time you add a new detail I want to say I want to say lie my my answer is lie and for you to press a buzzer and say no it's true I, know, I mean I this is ridiculous they have asked so, to be on but I weren't available when the dates came up <laughs> I mean, well, you've got a perfect story, but anyone who's listened to this will know the answer. That is insane. So, okay, there's so much detail to get into here. So you are sleeping on the school roof, inexplicably. You're sleep you, you and a few mates decide, wouldn't it be fun? Was it because it was fun to sleep rough on the school roof? Is there an element of um, getting one over on the school to that? Or is it just that's where you picked randomly? Well, the thing is, that was always the plan to meet up to sleep on it. Um when we got there, we were all just sort of hanging out on the on the grass, you know, on the field, the school field, which again you're not allowed to do. And I do remember saying, "When are we going to get up on the roof?" And I don't think anyone <laughs> wanted to like be the one to like because I think when we once we got there, I think we all realised we didn't know how to get on the roof. Yeah, of course. How did you get on the roof? Well, because we never actually ended up on the roof. You see? Oh, I see. Um. Well, so I think. Some people did try, but we'd already been caught. We'd already been captured by that point, you see. Emma's dad, um, my friend Emma, he, he actually came and got us. We we tried to run away from him, but we were too drunk and we fell over. So he, he managed to sort of round us up and we got taken <laughs> home. It was um, a really funny night because my dad is he he he, he my mum and dad divorced when they were two so he's, he's he's always he's never lived in Hull he's not from Hull but he he was actually in the area at the time he he was because he did spend anyway I'm gonna say I think he was living in Hull for a little bit over that time but he because he'd not like live from he didn't know how to like discipline or like he's just not very good at that or anything and but my mum had called him and was like you need to get round here when she gets back and my dad opened the door and was like did you have a nice evening <laughs> <laughs> I was like you're not telling me off properly you need to have a go at me it was my mum was beside herself oh god with worry can't imagine what it must have been like for her. Because you'd gone missing, but you were just in the place that you go to every single day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, but so I need to, I just need to delve a little bit detail-wise into this taxi driver, um, four-foot taxi driver with these glasses, and he is the person that she has tasked with finding her daughter. 
He is four foot, so low vantage point. He also has really thick glasses, so bad vision. Um, and he f- crucially fell down a hole. He fell down a hole. My mum told me, you know, like when my mum had recovered, like a year later when she could look back on it and laugh. Because I didn't know this at the time. She, he got his torch out and she was going, like, let's go this way. Let's, and then she was like, where have you gone, John? And she couldn't find him. He disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Big, down like a big hole, you know, like in shrubbery. Oh, ble- he was a lovely... Because my mum didn't drive, you see. So my mum used to always have a taxi driver that she could ring, you know, and, and he would come pick her up, sort of thing. Because in Hull... Taxis are cheap. It only costs a fiver to get to anywhere in Hull, you know, like from one end of Hull to the other. So some trips would only be like two or three quid, you know. But he was a lovely guy. His 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 um his car stunk really bad of, of um urine actually. But <laughs> he was lovely. And he, what he had on his dashboard, the whole of his dashboard, he had um. Uh, picture frames of all his family stuck on his dashboard. His hut, he couldn't. He couldn't. It really obstructed his view. Yeah, of course it did. I mean, this guy's already pretty low, and then he and he's got the big glasses, and then he's blocking his own from put frames at the top of the like hang them from the top. Makes they were sense. Like on his dashboard, he'd stuck them. You know. Amazing. Okay, so I believe can, you've got some of the poems now, right? To read me today for that you wrote. Um, is the collaborative one in amongst the bunch? Yeah, yeah. You see, I don't think they're funny. They're, you know, they're just very, they're just very emotionally charged, really. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, that's what this is all about. This is the one. Um, so this is we, we wrote. So we both got grounded, um, and it, it, and because we slept at each other's house every night, it was a big deal because we couldn't see each other. Um, so we we were allowed a phone call after a few days with each other. So like we, prison? Yeah. So we talked. So we said, well, let's make a poem. You know, I'll write one half of the poem and you write the other half. So I wrote one half and then told, told her it and she wrote the other half. And then we put them together when we were finally reunited. And I do actually remember us putting them together. I had What we had at each other's house, you know, like a chair. It was like a foam chair um, that when you took it out was like a little bed. I had one of them. Did you? They're so good to sleep on, aren't they? Yeah. Who had that? She had that. Both had one, yes. Oh, right. so I, re- okay. I remember when we finally reunited, I sat on there and we put our poems together and we read them as one poem. Okay. Can I hear the, Can we hear the poem? <laughs> it's uh, called Freedom. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to have fun and not be reminded of the things I've done or the things I've said, or the things I've been, or being told that the things I've done are obscene. Nobody said that to us, but <laughs> nobody ever said you, you've been obscene. But why can't life be what you want it to be, and for things to just go right for me? <laughs> I can't believe that this is about sleeping on a school roof. I don't understand why we can't be free, if only we could make people see. I know these days won't last forever. I just wish something would make us happy together. I don't think I'm asking a lot from you. It's just, it, this is to our parents, I think. It's just the way you think and the things I do. One day things will be different. Just wait and see. Until then, we will dream of being free. I mean, look, there are some people who have just been through it. And you're one of them. The Long Walk to Freedom by Lucy Beaumont. I mean... It's- <laughs> you talk about it as if you have literally been imprisoned for crimes you didn't commit. Yeah, for 50 I've experienced years. incarceration. What I like about it is that you literally, you say, um, I don't think I'm asking a lot from you. No. But a couple of lines earlier, you say, why can't life just be what I want it to be? Why can't everything go right for me? I mean, that is a massive, massive ask. Why can't everything go right for me? Yeah, why can't you let me go missing for 48 hours? And not say anything about it. That's what we wanted. (laughs) It is weird because you're you're saying such grand things like, oh, why can't life just be what I want it to be? And you kind of almost expect that to be about the system being unfair and or like even being unlucky in love. But it's literally just referring to it was we couldn't get on the roof and then we got caught and got grounded. I mean, it's just such a it's such a teenage approach to it's like that everything is the most extreme it can be. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. 
my mum and a short taxi driver who <laughs> struggled to get out of a hole found me and my dad didn't care and they got very angry and now we can't see each other so now here's a poem called freedom because of these punks who won't just let me live my goddamn life um did anyone else ever see this poem am i the third person to hear it do you know I, I, honestly you might be because i don't it was such a private thing and did you read it aloud like when you met up did you then read it aloud? Yeah, so Claire wrote the first bit and I wrote the second part. Did you did she did you read your own half or did you both read it together out loud at the same time? Gosh, I can't remember, but I I I, I don't know. I, I presume she would have I think we would have really I can imagine we would have really enjoyed hearing us read the other person's. And now do you have any solo work? Um yeah. <laughs> This is when you broke free from the group and you decided to go solo, Jerry Halliwell style. And uh, I presume this next thing is going to be your um, Michiko Latino. Yeah, this is, I'm writing, this is a poem penned to, to Claire, to... <laughs> right, okay, so <laughs> the classic case of breaking free from the band, but only writing about the band. <laughs> okay. And this it is called Claire, the poem's called Claire. <laughs> When times hurt you, it's not the end. The smile will grow, the heart will mend. The life you want will happen soon. Look past the stars, look past the moon. Or look nearer still, you're not alone. Your sadness is not all one tone. I'll be there, I will cure. I'm not perfect, Hoss and Sia. I don't know what I mean by that. But I'll help to keep away that last tear. I do not show, so you may not know. The love, the care, that, com- that someone adores you out there. So when you feel down in happiness you cannot see, there is someone that will love you, and that someone is me. Oh, my God. It's so touching. I mean, oh, God, I would love to have received a poem like that from a friend. This is because um, the, the the lad she fancied didn't um, want to go out with her at that point, but he did later go out with her. So you were right when you said the life you want will happen soon. I knew. I was proper... What's it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prophetic. Prophetic. You were proper pathetic. Yeah, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is so... That was a genuinely beautiful poem. There is one thing in it that hints at something a bit dark, which is... It's really nice to say the life you want will happen soon. Look past the stars, look past the moon. Absolutely beautiful. Um, Someone will love you and that someone is me. But then just hidden in there, in all these beautiful things you're saying about friendship and about love, I am not sincere is something that you say. So this is, it does just imply this is all bollocks. I don't mean any of this. Just so you know, I know how to write nice things. Don't mean a word of it. You're on your own, Claire, for the rest of your life. I was on like a rhyming, you know. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just to rhyme. I mean, I've, I've got that with everything I've written. It's just, oh, okay, that will rhyme with that. I don't know what it means, but pop it in. Um, okay, so before we continue, how many more poems do you have? Uh, well, well, what what was really lovely is that because I knew I was coming on this show, it made me like look into stuff, and I found, um, I found my book, which is like this was my Leavers book, which was just basically an old exercise book that everybody graffitied. <laughs> okay, okay, I need to talk. There's so many things I need to talk about. We'll get to the main one. But I'll just describe, can you just hold it up and I'll describe what I'm looking at? Okay, so in where it says name, form, subject, and there's three lines across it, you've written across all of the lines, it just says in big letters, Lucy B. Above that, in massive red letters, it says buzzing. Um, and then it says class in this really good uh, like bubble writing font that looks like word art. Um, and then there's a yes, no in boxes which is the options to the question written above it in red. Do you like big fat dicks? Now, please explain. <laughs> it was just like, the, it's so, the, the front cover so represents the energy of the school. It's just like, apart from the top set lessons, which were normal and, you know, like nationally normal behaviour, like all the other lessons were just chaos, you know, kids were... A lot of the teachers ended up being, like, supply teachers and, uh, you know, it just chaos, you know, where they, they... 
the, the pupils like completely sort of um, dominated the staff, you know. Right. And and I, I worked in Hull School, so it, that was normal. And it wasn't until I worked in schools outside of Hull that I was like, oh, fucking hell, it didn't need to be like this. It's not like this yeah. everywhere. <laughs> like people have like levers balls and actually like levers books that are actually printed properly. Like we didn't get that. We were just, we were allowed to write on our t-shirt and everyone signed each other's t-shirt but, but yeah but what what was we really into because so the, sorry lucy i just got to stop you i really feel like you've dodged the do you do you like big fat dicks question here um <laughs> I, ty- I typed i put yes but i don't i, I think to be honest I, I can remember thinking that i didn't know dicks could be fat i didn't i didn't think yeah. dicks put weight on yeah. <laughs> but i did it anyway i did and i didn't understand like about girth or anything then you know either like i didn't understand about that i think i just instinctively knew that probably would be the better of 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 a a, a dick like that a big fat dick would probably i would probably like a big fat dick so but why where if you didn't even know about this where did this question come from so you asked yourself this question Oh no, i didn't write this someone's wrote someone else someone wrote it on your book and then made you answer it and you answered yes you correctly identified the answer is yes. And who is Leanne Love? Because it says Leanne Love on that book. She just a, a girl that I was at school who is now a police officer. Yeah. What do you know? What was really lovely and really and quite sad. So like in throughout school, the the social groups and the status didn't really change. Like if you were in the middle tier that I was in, maybe one or two might have ended up drifting upwards or below but mostly everyone stayed like everyone sort of knew their place and then on the in the last year it was like people re- people like let go a bit and realized we could all like hang around together and this amazing thing mm. happened it was like oh we're all no we're all the same and i i had um so claire i've told you about i gave her a a, fi- a Fifteenth or sixteenth, fifteenth or sixteenth birthday party, surprise party at my house, which was a ridiculous thing to do because, because it was just me. You know, she was a single mum. We lived in like a really tiny um, terrace, you know, like those old Victorian two up, two mm. down, t- t- tiny. And I just to think that I could host a birthday party for her because my mum was away. That's why I did it, and it was gate crash. The whole year group turned up basically. And the police ended up coming and like someone brought for sale sign in from the house from down the street and Claire didn't even get to see her cake because by the time she arrived, um, someone's head had been put in it. And, and the, <laughs> what's lovely is that all the way through this book, people have said, oh, like brilliant party, brilliant party. And I forgot how many people came. And I also forgot people who I'd never, re- who never really talked to came and had a really good time like um i think there was like it was uh, the first like there'd only been one or two parties like that you know and i think people came away thinking oh we should have done more we should have trashed more houses yeah (laughs) we should have ruined more lives and Um, what i love the most is on the first page the only one that's neat is from someone i don't know who 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 it is allison someone I, i don't know there was not an allison in the school <laughs> and she seems to know me really well. <laughs> well, you know what? If there was not, you should be um, Derek Akora. If you're getting notes in your thing from people who don't exist, there wasn't an Alison in the school. I've Alison, I've not heard that name for 500 years. Um, the party thing definitely is a massive impact. I mean, there wasn't a party when I was growing up that wasn't gate crashed by, and it was, would get us out of hand. People from other schools, and yeah, and people from like, not even from the town would come like because people because girls the girls would go out at a certain age would go out with older boys a couple of years older who had cars or a moped or something they and they'd be from like the neighboring town and we wouldn't even really know them there'd be a couple of boys who'd played football against them who would know them but they would turn up and they were always like you know much scarier than uh, anyone we knew or was just technically in our year group so it was always weird when someone from other school came and gate crashed let alone someone who had driven there when we were kids to a party and just everything would get ruined like the amount of glass tables i remember just smashing in front of my eyes because everyone was sat on it or something it was ridiculous once at a party there was a boy who i remember was just um snapping dvds 
he was just opening DVDs and just snapping them and chucking them on the floor. Him, it was ridiculous. Oh, that's so awful. Yeah, it's just it's there's just no and there's just no need. Um, so this is your book. Is this your Leavers book then? Yeah, and I've put a, and you know lots of messages in here. Um, uh, and I, goodbye to all. I've put a poem in here that no one read. Goodbye to all my friends. I've come to love and know. We've had some really good times, but now we have to go. Although this school is crap and my lessons are really bad, it's the friends I'm leaving behind that make me really sad. <laughs> it's very sweet, but just very good to just get a little dig in there. The school is crap. The lessons are bad, but overall, I'll miss you very nice yeah so it was the it was the friends really you know yeah yeah that's clear all your poems are just very they're like the first poem is about wanting the freedom to be able to see your friend the second poem is about how you love your friend and then the third poem is about how you'll miss all your new friends <laughs> so clearly it, friends were something that massively dominated uh, your life now it comes to the point where i must score your work um, on three categories. Those categories are um, originality, um, pure teen horniness, and uh, Mickey Mouse Club slash Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which is how close is it to your work now? How much potential does it show for the future star we all know that you went on to become? So first of all, originality. Um, it's the first poem, the freedom poem, I do think it's extremely original to write a collaborative poem as a teenager with another teenager and then put them together and then read them out. I think that's insanely original. I've never heard of that before. But the level of making this an extreme thing, like you've been through something so much bigger than you have as a teenager is so teenage. <laughs> making it the long road to freedom when all you were was grounded because you did something wrong is just so... so <laughs> So and saying a phrase like "Why can't life just be what I want it to be?" God, mum, is like you know you can imagine that being said. Um, but the poem to Claire is such an emotionally intelligent thing to write as a teenager to not be embarrassed about and to be able to express yourself in that way um, and look past the stars, look past the moon. It's like Frank Sinatra. I know. And it's, it's so beautiful. Um, and to just put in the little subtle hint that I'm not being sincere. Uh, I think originality, I will go for a four out of five for originality. Um, then we're on to pure teen horniness. Now, the poems are not particular. They're all about friendship. So the poems themselves, I'd say, exhibit almost no horniness whatsoever. They're very earnest. Do you know why I never, ever wrote anything and I never have done is because I found a poem my mum had written that was so sexually charged about a, a night of passion she had that it made me never, ever want to write about anything <laughs> sexual ever again. Well, I will have to invite your mum onto this podcast because I want to hear the poem. <laughs> well, it would be a zero for um, pure teen horniness, but you did answer yes when asked, <laughs> do you like big fat dicks? <laughs> so, And that was based, what makes it hornier is that it was based purely on instinct. It was not based on information. So I will give you a two out of five for that. Uh, and then finally, Mickey Mouse Club. Can can you can 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 if if you put weight on, does it go on you? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I don't. At if, all, if doesn't it, it? Were a dick to become fat, I don't think it would be because of that. I think it just is naturally um, girthy, or it isn't. Um, imagine that though. Just someone going, oh, the problem I've got is that you know everything <laughs> I eat just goes straight to my dick. It's such a shame. <laughs> Um, okay, Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. How close is it to your work now? Does it show potential for who you are? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. It doesn't feel like it to me. I've never heard you say something like, you know, look past the stars in you, in what I've seen you do. Um, no, it's more the anecdotes. That Everything anecdotally is like, yes, it makes perfect sense. But the work doesn't connect to it and i don't think you would be this earnest in anything you did now no. i don't think you would put like it's just so nice everything you've done this i'm not saying your act isn't nice but it's like it's not it's not funny is it to just go i love my friends <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no none of it's funny. i didn't even think that i could be that yeah that one a thing yeah 
but there's uh, what there's an element there's one element that's going to get you a one which is you couldn't resist in your leavers poem though you're saying oh, i've made some great friends and it's been a great journey and we're all emotional and it's sincere and it's over you still said the school is crap and the lessons are bad you couldn't resist just throwing that in there which is the sort of undercutting of things that i've seen from you so i'll give you one out of five for that which means that you score a seven total out of 15 a very respectable early work score yeah i'm happy with that thank you Um, and now, in order to level the playing field, as ever, I must read you um, something I wrote, uh, some early work of mine. This is a poem. I wrote it when I was 17. It is called Chase. <clears throat> okay, you ready? Chase. I lost my mind at the cinema. If apologies came in a textbook dilemma, I'd be sorry. It would seem that you're in a hurry as you dismiss me with a mascara stain, your eyes locked on my face. I wish you'd whisper my name, and then I'd only sing back yours, Grace. I told you I took you for granted, but it turns out those messages aren't in your inbox for long. Delete me from your phone and I'm gone. Like a holiday romance you'd leave on the plane. This ever romance, an affectionate dame, and a cheap grumpy duke who by major belief only got you by fluke. If only the fourth had gone better. Take it or leave it. I'd never forget turning towards her. First night till time I ignored her. Alone I ponder the last minute chance to acknowledge desire in advance. She now looks through me and not with a glance decides with her eyes that we know not romance. Cease. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Did you just go Northern for the romance bit? Well, that's the thing is because it's meant to be... Well, I'm, I'm not going to say romance. So it's obviously the rhyme. It's like an old Shakespearean rhyme where it doesn't rhyme. But it's like... It goes glance, dance, advance, chance, and then the last word is ro romance. But it's not, it's not romance, is it? Oh yeah. But that, yeah. So like in in writing, it should be that. But obviously, I was like, no, I'm gonna say romance. That's brilliant. Um, the it, thing I like is you you actually got into that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm always gonna. I don't. I feel it. I feel, all the way through. I feel it. Um, some things you may not have picked up on. Um, it starts with the word chase and cease. I mean, I make it pretty clear in this that it's about someone called Grace. And so chase is there because it rhymes with Grace and cease is there because it rhymes with Reese. Oh, <laughs> and, and is she real? was she a real person? Yeah. Was her mascara actually smeared? Yeah, well, she dumped me on New Year's Eve and was crying on my face. She was crying on your feet? Yeah, and then a taxi, I had to... I was going to stay at this house where we were having this New Year's Eve party and then it was like a house with a really long, um, like almost grass driveway, like gravel and stuff, uh, driveway that was like properly like gated house in this fucking wealthy person's manor or whatever. And then I had to get this taxi on my own on New Year's Eve at 17, which obviously cost a fortune anyway. But he got it was a big like four by four taxi and it got stuck in the mud because it was raining and I had to help this taxi driver push this taxi out after I'd just been dumped. <laughs> on New Year's Eve it took ages <laughs> yeah it was so bleak <laughs> nothing to take the piss out with before I thought that was really good <laughs> it's a bit um, it's a bit you know there's some it's a rap innit you, did you then go into did you start doing was you doing rapping was you trying to do rapping probably I, I was probably writing raps I wasn't doing rapping but I was probably writing rap lyrics yeah if I was you know bear in mind how much I talked about 8 Mile earlier I can imagine I was pretty into uh, stuff like that. I don't know. It's, it's I guess it's all quite specific. I mean, it's very modern, isn't it? Delete me from your phone and I'm gone. Those messages aren't in your inbox for long. Yeah. If you did that with a Liverpoolian accent, it'd sound a lot better. I think because you <laughs> you assimilate your voice with something that's like, um, you know, intellectual. Sort of, it's, I think if you do that with a dialect, people will be like, that's really good. Do you think? Do you think I could actually get out there on on the open mics and people would click their fingers at me and go, "Oh yeah, I'm feeling it." Definitely, yeah. I need you to score that piece of work on the same categories. Uh, so the first one is originality out Two. of five. Two. Two. Come on, talk us through it. Why, why have I lost points? Um, originality. I mean, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard better from people <laughs> of similar ages yeah um, yeah but there was some some quite modernistic for, for you've got to remember because we shouldn't be judging it by today's standards should we we should be judging it and actually then like you say there was some really modern 
There was stuff that... Do you remember that band Five? Yeah. Are you, yeah. This is the first time I've been compared to Five, actually. So you think I had some Five-esque um, lines in there, do you? Yeah, I think you were like a young Pete Waterman. I think you could have wrote, you could have produced Five's music at 17. Um, I'd give, um, no, I'll give you a... Th- I, I, it's hard to say. I'll give you a it's three. It's okay, two, no. You can you can stick with two. I just I just need to know. Two two was a, it was quite... Um, I'll give you a three and a half. Okay, I'll take a three. Let's let's be reasonable. Um, and then it's pure teen horniness is the next category. Well, there is. There's each charge, isn't it? You can feel mm. each charge. You start saying... I mean, did, did you even know you were, you were maybe saying we could have had a lot of good sex if we were? There is a line, isn't there? There is. A, I only noticed it as I was reading it out. There was a line that was um, to acknowledge desire and advance. Yeah, but then you Oof. wouldn't. You would need quite a few years to be able to have good sex. No, no one had good sex when they were teenagers. Oh yeah, God. I mean, I didn't have any at this stage. Oh well, then yeah. But there's hardly you can see you can feel the hardiness in there far for that you know yeah there's de- i would agree it's it's pretty gutted that i basically feel like it's pretty gutted that it got dumped before we could acknowledge desire it's yeah. i think what, what i'm saying in that um, yeah definitely okay. yeah you can you can feel that there's a slickness to it which is yeah it's good it's good and then um finally it's the mickey mouse club score ryan gosling ryan goose the potential it shows for uh my work now how close is it well no, I mean you're a really good comedian. <laughs> you're, a really, you're a really good comedian, aren't you? But then again, you're good at being to make you think you're on the back foot, and then you're good at um, you're good at blindsiding. No, you know what I mean. Um, mm. You you you're good at skewering things, and I don't think that's particularly that skewered or on the pot. It's not, it's not particularly on the nose, is it? Or particularly charged? So I don't really think. I think you've 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 really developed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank God for that. A lot of people come on this and say you that might as well have been in your last show. Aww. I mean, because I occasionally have done like poemy things in old shows of mine from a few years ago. So people who've seen those go, Reese. I mean, I'm sure I saw you do that at the Soho Theatre um, when I read a poem as bad as that. And it's very upsetting. So thank you for saying that I've developed into <laughs> something much, much better than that. Um, so what's the score out of five? Um, three, three again. Three? <laughs> it's still as high as three. All right, I'll take it. Uh, okay, so that means I get 10. 10 out of 15, which means technically I win the episode. Although, as ever, Lucy, the message on this podcast is that we are both losers. That's the whole point. Um, and now it comes to the time for you to play us out. One final piece. We will produce it up. Um, our producer, producer Neil will put music, sound effects, whatever's relevant underneath it to make it into the big performance piece that your teenage self would have wanted. This is a poem to the first love of my life when I was at okay. school. It's called The Boy with the Crystal Eyes. You look at me with those piercing eyes and that smile that elevates your ears and I wonder if my dream came true, those lips would bring me tears. And I tell myself you're different now, all mature and right wise. And I feel as though I could give my life to the boy with the crystal eyes. Laughter fills my soul and you make me shine. But opposite lives make opposite friends and I'm still waiting for that sign. We laugh and smile and touch and then you go and I'm left alone. Then my world comes back and the memories too. And I stand from a distance just looking at you. You're not perfect, but there's something kind and frightened inside. (laughs) It will never happen unless you really tried. And I tell myself you're different now, all mature and wise. And I feel as though I could give my life to the boy with the crystal eyes. March 98 by Lucy and Louise Beaumont. I've made up a second name for myself. That doesn't exist. It was so... Do you know what? That poem is so good and it's so such a wonderful poem and an impressive poem and i was so ready to clap and then go (laughs) oh my god it's actually brilliant that's such a good poem and then you've made up a name (laughs) why have you done that i don't so i've never done it since or before are you trying to give yourself gravitas do you think as a as a poet god knows but my my name is lucianne beaumont i've made up louise is, is it a good poem? It's really good. I mean, I really like the uh, chorus, essentially, the fact that it comes back. 
uh, more mature and wise. The boy with the crystal eyes. The boy with the crystal eyes is a great title. It sounds like a Smiths song. Um, and I just, a smile that elevates your ears is like the imagery in that for a, a kid essentially is like to notice you're noticing things that are far beyond what you notice as someone writing a poem as a teenager. Or I've copied off. Or you (laughs) nicked it. Yeah, or you just absolutely nicked it. Oh, it's a Sylvia Plath line, is it? There we go. That was Lucy Beaumont on early work. What an absolute treat. I remember at the time thinking that was an absolute gold episode. Now, breaking news. Lucy actually is on Would I Lie to You, finally. On 17th of February, I googled it, and it turns out that it's happening. So you can watch it. Maybe she'll tell the taxi driver story about the frames on his dashboard and the glasses falling down a hole. Who knows? Um, also, she has a TV show with her husband, John Richardson. Odd Couples it's on Channel 4 on Fridays. Um, but ultimately, I think she should give up and be a poet because I wonder if my dreams came true, those lips would bring me tears, is one of the most beautiful sentences i've ever heard in fiction or real life absolutely sensational she should do that i should become Derek cora but all of us should subscribe to this podcast i don't even think you can anymore follow the podcast come see me on tour if you like and i will see you next time goodbye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.